I'm Riley. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Happy Hour Film Club, the podcast where we talk about movies over cocktails. Our theme today is a little different. Taylor, do you want to talk about the idea for this uh, episode today? Yeah, so basically, um, Riley and I wanted to do a couple episodes where we focus on just one film and a more recent film that's recently come out where we watch it together and then we focus our episode on just that one specific movie. Mm -hmm. So we were just downstairs. We just got done uh, watching our movie and chowing down on some pizza and we're ready to talk about it. So we've tried to save some of our comments up uh, in our commentary. It was hard not to chat about it during the film at least it was for me because I kept wanting to be like did you see what they just did there yeah um yeah I was saying I always want to talk during the movie and be like oh my goodness yeah <laughs> but we are gonna try to avoid spoilers um so we'll do our best but as always you know just be aware that we might be talking about what happens in the movie so um yeah yeah I'll say now I'm probably going to give some spoilers away just because of the way that this movie was. Which, Taylor, do you want to introduce the movie that you picked out for this episode? Yeah, so today I went in to watch Last Night in Soho. Um, I think it came out in 2021, so Uh it's not super duper recent, but um, it's a movie I hadn't seen yet and definitely on my list of movies I wanted to watch. And I remember when the trailer came out thinking that it would be a great one to see in theaters, but 2021 was still, at least in my mind, mid-pandemic, and I, for one, haven't really been to the theaters that often. I think I've only been maybe twice over the last two years, if that. Yeah, I've just been once Mm -hmm. since the start of the pandemic and it was to go see spider-man the new spider-man movie right which i heard was totally worth it to see yes in theaters so i i get that the first one that i saw was quiet place 2 actually because Mm -hmm. of the sound design Mm -hmm. i wanted to be able to have the surround sound which seems silly because there's not a lot of (laughs) like dialogue but that's the whole point of it right right um and i can't remember what the second movie was but This film would have been great to see on the big screen, but it was lovely watching it in the living room as well. And Last Night in Soho is kind of a thriller slash horror mystery meets comedy. I found it funny. It says it's a thriller, but I I found it to be quite funny. I was laughing for like the first 20, 30 minutes of the film. It definitely had comedic moments, but... Oh, sorry. It's a drama, horror, mystery, th- thriller. That's like oh, the okay. genres that it covers, I guess. I like that though, because it there definitely is a lot of mystery components to it, mm-hmm. um, along with the thriller parts. But um, first, do we want to get into cocktails? Yeah, absolutely. Hello, Nick. Thank you for joining us with another cocktail. Hello. 
why don't you tell us what you have uh, here in these glasses? It's very clear, so I'm going to say it's probably super alcoholic. I'm so sorry. Yes. Um, so so normally on this show, we we I try very, very hard not to repeat cocktails. But this movie has the cocktail right there. And so it was kind of hard not to just jump right in. And so if you've seen this movie, you know that there is a cocktail in there. Uh, may or may not be spoilery. I don't know. You can decide. I'm getting head shakes as now. No, so, not uh, really. I don't think it's a spoiler. That's no. fine. The way, uh, the way you told me about it before I watched the movie made it sound like it was like a plot device. <laughs> Well, okay, but so it's not. It's, yeah, so but full, it is featured in the movie. So yeah, yeah, so full disclosure, I did not watch the movie with Riley and Taylor, so I don't know. Other than in my research for this, I w- I saw that there is the Vesper cocktail, so I should say the name of it. So we we brought this back from the which the quotable quotables. Quotable yeah, that's yeah. right. Thank you. We brought it back from quotables, and uh, mainly because that. This was a cocktail that was explicitly ordered in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was our quotable cocktail. It was our quotable cocktail, but in this episode in particular, she did order it. Yeah, so. our main character orders the Vesper. Exactly. And it's poisoned, and that's how everybody dies in the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're right, spoilers. So spoilers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's absolutely not what happens. <laughs> Taking all the mystery out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, normally, like, if, if I was ever going to repeat a cocktail, I would say this one would probably be at the very bottom of our list, just because... <laughs> 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 yeah. Riley already took a sip and oh. is, is already dying. <laughs> so, um, so I will say this. This is, this is made a little, or a little differently than the other, than the James Bond Vesper cocktail. Um, so this recipe in particular, we, we didn't add vodka last time that, so there is vodka in this martini basically because we were a brand new thing and I was kind of, I didn't, I didn't want to go out and just buy a bottle of vodka just for that. So, so does it typically have vodka in it? It typically does have vodka in it, just a little bit. And last time we just didn't use the vodka, we we used everything else. Exactly. Okay. And so... Last time it just had gin. Yeah, last time it just had gin. Now and it has gin and vodka. Gin and vodka. And Lilit Blanc. And Lilit Blanc. Yeah. So uh, okay, I remember gin. the Lilit Blanc. Yes. Right? Because that's the wine. It's true. That's a wine, Lilit Blanc. Yeah. It's like a white French wine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that pine saw taste. Yeah, so oh. so that was one main thing. And then the second thing is this is actually how you're supposed to make martinis, you're you're supposed to stir it on ice, not shake it like they do in James Bond movies. Um, it changes, like, it it looks cloudier, but this, it's, it's much clearer and more true as a martini. Um, so we did make it a little bit different, um, but it still tastes just as much of, of like, household clean. Cleaner as it Cleaning did before. The very boozy drink. And also, it is garnished with lemon, so it the lemon at least like covers up that smell. It literally takes the smell away. It does because when I sniffed it, because Taylor raised her glass and took a whiff, 
And I went to do the same and then immediately pulled back because I thought, why are you about to smell all of this booziness? That's going to make you not want to drink it. And then she was like, oh, it, it smells like lemon. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, the rind completely covers up the smell of the liquor. Yeah. You you don't smell it at all. <laughs> yeah, the lemon no. is very it, pleasant. And yeah. then when you drink it, it you, you come back to and reality. Then the, when you drink it, yeah, you yeah. just get all of the... The gin and vodka and Lilith Dry, Lilith Blanc. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so for this recipe, it's uh, one and a half ounces of gin, uh, preferably like a like a English gin, like a London gin or like a beef eater gin. Uh, this is with New Amsterdam that we did. Um, you'll also do a quarter ounce of Lilith Blanc. Um, you can go find that at most... Um, most bar or most liquor stores um it's more in the wine aisle than it is like in the liquor aisle uh and then we did a half ounce of vodka in it so i have seen recipes that are much much boozier like they they do two ounces of gin and <laughs> still do a half and a full ounce of vodka so oh, so this Lord. is a much more scaled back recipe i feel like that would be the only drink you would be drinking yeah you you'd be a one and done drink like yeah i mean it's a sipper i think most of the classic cocktails that you would especially like a martini that's a sipping drink yeah where you're there for a long time chatting and you're just sipping it right and i feel like even though this is served chilled i i think it wouldn't lose much if it became room temperature Mm -hmm. you know like there are other like with your beer Clearly, you don't want a room temperature beer. That's going to get gross. So it's not a sipping drink. It's a You really want to drink it while it's cold. Okay, but yeah. with this, I feel like there's so little in the glass itself. Even though it has quite a few ounces of straight liquor, there's mm. nothing else being mixed with it. Mm. So really, it's only, what, like a three-ounce drink-ish? Three, three to four-ounce Yeah, realistically, drink. you're going to add a little bit more since um, you, you stir this over ice. Mm-hmm. So you're going to dilute it a little bit so mm-hmm. that, that water will add a little bit more volume but then you strain the ice out and so it's not going to get watered down the longer you right you don't you don't serve this over ice this is just straight up Um, and then yeah you can garnish it with uh lemon lemon peel or uh, honestly any citrus you can do with an orange too see now i personally if i were going to order this out somewhere i probably would get it on ice because i would need it watered down a little bit i do that with whiskey if there's a nice whiskey that i want to try and clearly whiskey whiskey is a a sipping drink if you're just drinking it straight but i have i have to have it on ice because otherwise it's just too powerful for me to sit there and go through it all if y'all didn't check out our instagram channel um Go check it out because for the last episode, we actually uh, showed how to make the penicillin drink uh, from that episode, and we will do the same for this one. So this that'll be a lot of fun. That was actually fun and actually kind of easy to do. So Fun was... for you, you're saying, to do? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was cool. We got some shares on it and mm-hmm. some views and things. I thought it was It's neat. gotten a lot of views. We got surprisingly yeah. a lot of views, so that was pretty fun. So yeah. we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have to do it again. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. It's nice to be able to see that visually rather than, I mean, the drinks are pretty, but it makes me feel more confident if I'm going to go and make a drink myself to like watch a video first. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that hopefully that's the goal. I mean, penicillin was probably maybe not the 
greatest first one because of all the steps that you normally have to do because you have to make like honey syrup and ginger syrup and all that stuff to make the drink so mm. this one will weirdly be much much more approachable even though this feels like a fancy cocktail it's really not it's Really? Yeah, you just have to buy the ingredients. You don't yeah. have to make the ingredients. Right. Yeah. And Lilla Block is a fairly easy ingredient to find. Like, it feels like it, you won't find it, but I found it at our local liquor store fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because it's one you don't hear of often, yeah. but it's well-stocked. Yeah. And, I mean, they referred to it internally as the James Bond drink stuff. Yeah. They were just like, oh, yeah, the James Bond drink thing. All right, yeah, come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for making these again. Um, we will continue slowly sipping throughout the rest of the episode. It might take us a while to get through this, um, but we really appreciate it. And yeah, everybody be on the lookout for that video so you can see how to make your own Vesper at home. Yeah, everybody. Thanks, Thank Nick. You. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. So last night in Soho is about a young woman who is an aspiring fashion designer. Um, She comes from a history of fashion and design. We know that she lives with her grandmother and that her mother used to be a part of the fashion world and industry also. We don't know exactly in what ways they were. That's a little bit of a mystery throughout the whole film, actually. They never really answer that for us. Um, But that's where she finds her passion for fashion. Ooh, that rhymed. Um, So pretty close to the beginning of the film, um, our lead actress and our character's name is Eloise. Our lead actress is Thomason McKenzie. Um, She is accepted into a London fashion design program um, where she then begins packing and heads off for her new London adventure. Yeah, that's basically the, the beginning of her film. Yeah. And we see her, um, you know, in a dress that looks like she made herself, like, um, at the beginning, especially when she's packing, or she finds out she was accepted to to the fashion school, and I felt it was interesting that I I couldn't tell when it was set until she got on the bus and she was wearing a pair of Beats headphones. I actually thought the same thing. I was like, whoa, like this is because it, it, she's very influenced by the 60s. You know, she listens to records. Her style is very retro and like just her bedroom and like the house and the setting at the first like 15-ish minutes of the movie. You really can't tell Mm-mm. when this story is taking place. And she's also, it, they're cockney. So they're in this sort of, even the exterior of the house is almost this older, um, classic, almost cottage sort of feel. Oh, Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah. Okay. I was like, that sounds wrong. Okay. Yeah, Cornwall. I was like, Cockney's the accent. London, yeah. Yeah. But okay. yeah, Cornwall, Sorry. she's in like the countryside. So. Right. Cornwall countryside. So you yeah. also kind of get that like, okay, we're very rural that also doesn't really give us any clue as to the time period that we're in. even, like, the taxi cab she gets in to, like, go to the train station is very, like, Mm old-fashioned. And then it cuts to her on the train, and she's wearing, like, these Beats headphones. And it just, it it took me off guard because I was like, oh, wow. Like, I thought 
this was set in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the, and I think you mentioned this too, but yeah, that first dress that she has on that clearly she designed herself. She's twirling around and it's got this big poofy skirt on it, almost like a poodle style. Yeah, it's like a T-length dress. Yeah. Yes. So it's more of a traditional, like very much a an era dress. Mm-hmm. So, and then the clothes that she's wearing, we find out she designs herself and she's inspired by the 60s. So, Clearly, she's got this very vintage look throughout the whole thing, which I think kind of makes her stand out um, oh, against sure. a lot of the other characters and setting. Yeah, and so when she arrives to this fil- or film school, Jesus, uh, <laughs> fashion school, um, yeah, she kind of looks out of place. You know, her roommate's wearing name big designer brand name clothing and. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she just doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. So, and part of that leads to her choosing to live off campus. Um, she starts off in the dorms there, and then the next day she goes in search for like a small flat or studio apartment, and she finds one, um, and she moves in there, and that's when things start to get really weird. But before we talk about that, um, we it's got a great cast, great director. Um, so it was directed by Edgar Wright, who also did Baby Driver, and what else, Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Um, End of the World. I was thinking Simon sorry, Pegg. At, at World's End. Yeah, a lot of, uh, Nick Frost, Simon mm-hmm. Pegg films. Um, he's a British director, he collaborates, most of his films I think are set in the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, he collaborates with a lot of British actors. Um, I'm trying to think what else he's done. Oh, he did Scott Pilgrim. Oh, right. Versus okay. the world. Yeah. So. So pretty eclectic, honestly, because this doesn't give Shaun of the Dead or Scott Pilgrim vibes no. at all. No. <laughs> it's very, very different from that. Yes. But, you know, it, in a good way. I, I think it's very stylized. Um, and it has uh, Anna, Anya, Taylor Joy. Anya? Yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy, mm-hmm. Matt Smith, uh, Terrence Stamp. Love him. And Diana Rigg. Mm-hmm. And I think that Anya Taylor-Joy, especially after having seen her in, oh, the chess one. <laughs> Queen's Gambit? Queen's Gambit. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Queen's Gambit. She, every time I see her, her, she just has this, like, era look to her. And I don't know, I think it's the big eyes and the lips and the blonde hair, maybe. I I don't know what it is, but she just, like, whatever era you put her in, she just takes it on so well. She's like a sponge. Like, she just fits so perfectly. Yeah, I think the first thing I saw her in was Split. So the M. Night Shyamalan movie mm-hmm. with... I never oh. saw it. Shoot, what's his name? Um, he was in Becoming Jane. Oh, James McAvoy? Yes, James McAvoy. Yeah, but it's a horror thriller. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to one of her interviews where she said early in her career it was difficult for her to get acting jobs Mm -hmm. because her look is 
a little different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her eyes. And she said, you know, people would, or even when she was younger, she said she got bullied because people would talk about how her eyes are kind of far apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And early in her career, she um, started in the horror genre. But I love that she's kind of transcended into more of the period dramas because I loved mm-hmm. her in Emma. Mm-hmm. And she was f- phenomenal in this. Right. And her character is primarily set in the 60s in this movie. Um, and so, yeah, she just has just a fantastic... And she's drop-dead gorgeous, you know? Oh, absolutely. So it's Beautiful. interesting, that idea of her being bullied is just like, wow, people are the absolute worst. Like, not that this is... A great thing to think, but I'm like, if she got bullied, then, like, what do people say about me? Jesus. <laughs> I think there's oh something about gosh. having that, like, different striking appearance. It's so true, and but kids do tend to, to make fun of people who are different. Right. Which, you know, our main protagonist definitely was bullied. Oh, hardcore. You know, because she was different. Right. Yeah, she was. she's kind of mousy and small and comes from this rural area and... I think she, she, yeah, she comes off as very innocent, maybe a little naive to... Sheltered. A little sheltered by these other... I think they mentioned she seems like like a, oh, God, a Christian... Oh, a born-again um, Christian. A born-again Christian is what they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which cracked me up, because, like, I kind of get it, but also these girls that she ends up with at this fashion school... Um, particularly the one she rooms with is just a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Oh, the whole time. I mean, it made me laugh because I was so uncomfortable by what was happening. I was like, are you have got to be kidding me. This girl is a psycho. Yeah, it was like worst <clears throat> roommate, like disaster, but times a hundred. Oh, my god. Like, it was very, I don't know, I, I feel like exaggerated I, I would hope like nothing like this happened I mean I know some of it happens but all together into just one person I'm like oh that's just too much I don't know <laughs> I, think I mean it exists. I mean yeah it, uh, clearly all that happened very quickly like they yeah. built her character and threw her in in your face fast yeah um and the girls you know it felt modern in the way that they approach their relationship with her because clearly our lead character um Eloise is or Ellie she goes by Ellie for for most of the movie she is old school Mm -hmm. right so she lives into older music and and whatever and these are kind of party girls and they bring up parents dying okay so Ellie's mother has passed away died when she was seven killed herself and then her roommate's mom also passed away she was young like 15 and they're all standing around talking about it and then they're like how did your mom die ellie and she's kind of put on the spot in this really awkward situation and and she says what happened and the girls are like oh you're so brave so brave so brave so brave and they so weird oh so cringy and then later they're like i can't believe she used her mother's death just to get attention and it was like oh my gosh you girls are horrible yeah. like you're everything that makes me afraid of female relationships <laughs> honestly it's like oh no wonder like women are so 
terrifying in those in that like let's have this like feminine bond we're gonna hang out and tell each other our deep dark secrets that doesn't happen because we're all terrified that that is the person that you're gonna end up meeting but you're not gonna know it because we're people are very good at hiding their true selves and true intentions and oh yeah her roommate is a true hurricane Um, Uh, yeah for sure and i do appreciate though how they kind of um you know, it wasn't a small part. Like, it, she had a recurring role throughout the movie. So I kind of appreciated how it wasn't just like, oh, just setting up the scene to the, to the at the beginning to, like, make, make the audience make sense of, like, oh, why is she moving out of the dorms and into this old creepy apartment? Uh-huh. But, but no, like, they continue that female bullying character throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it could have easily been, like, a throwaway character of, like, oh, she's just really mean to her at the beginning, and then we never see her again. It's like, mm-hmm. no, like, she kind of... So I did appreciate that about the movie. Yeah. Because it is easy to put... Do the female versus... Pitting females against females mm-hmm. as a plot device. Yeah. That's, like, yeah, just an old trope. Well, and it's not even... I mean, they're kind of in competition with one one another, but really it's like Ellie's in competition with her own psyche mm-hmm. uh, throughout most of it. So this is a... She's definitely... These girls are a secondary character, but oh, I do sure. like recognizing those characters throughout. Like in films, when clearly they're all part of the same class, they're in this design school together, they're all taking the same classes, why would you not see them everywhere? Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of makes sense. So, and they did that with the same, there's like a romantic interest, but also a friend throughout this that Ellie makes, like the one friend she makes. And he kind of develops the same way. Mm-hmm. He's around because he's in that class with them. So yeah. it makes sense that he would be there. Right. You know, and they don't make a big deal about the design aspect either. They're just sort of like, yeah, they're all good at design. That's why they're here. Mm-hmm. It's not like, ooh, we're going to trash this other person's dress and we're gonna you know it's not like conniving in that way right so yeah i really love this movie um it's not a movie i would typically watch just because thrillers and horror movies aren't something i tend to enjoy watching but i definitely wanted to watch this i i love all of edgar wright's work um i saw and i i told you this earlier riley but i saw a couple behind the scenes um before the film came out that really sparked my interest and made me like pretty much solidified me wanting to watch this movie um there's this fantastic scene where it's a it's one shot and it's a dancing scene um and you know we're set in the swinging 60s and it's very colorful and there's lots of movement but it's all one shot and it's two it's the two main actresses kind of switching places and dancing with one partner but it's choreographed in a way with the camera person where the two actresses are able to swap out seamlessly mm-hmm. um in one continual shot Right, and you so you only see one actress dancing with the partner at a time. Yes. So you never see the two actresses in the same shot together with the way that the camera is moving around them. It's very, very cool. And there's no cuts. No cuts whatsoever, which yeah. I didn't realize when I was watching, but it it's incredible. They did an amazing job with it. It's yeah. very so, cool. So if, if anyone has, a, has an interest or the chance, definitely look up that 
behind the scenes moment i think it's on youtube mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure if it was like behind the scenes mm-hmm. last night in soho dance you could probably find it yeah and they did a great job i was really impressed with the production design clearly you know you're having these two worlds that you're a part of um but just the lighting some of the there were some moments where like even i think you called out while we were watching you're like oh that's supposed to be the red light district. You know, there were moments where it, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of on the nose, but there's almost like there's a little bit of horror to it Yeah. in some moments, but also almost a little bit like a dance. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of, I don't know, like theater in it in some ways, in the way that they do it. Um, because I also noticed, so something that Ellie talks about is she sees her mom. Okay, and this isn't really giving anything away, but her mom's dead. She sees the ghost of her mom. Clearly, this has been an issue for her growing up, and she's her grandma's like, are you seeing your mom again kind of thing? And Ellie lies. She says, no, she's not seeing her. And clearly because she doesn't want people to think she's crazy. Well, so we already know this girl can see the ghost of her mother. Well, then she moves into this creepy apartment, and it's like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> what's going to happen now? Um, so it's no real surprise when she starts seeing things, but she never calls them, and I'm going to use never lightly, like 90% sure that she never calls them ghosts. She keeps saying she's seeing scenes from the past, and she mentions, like, spirits yeah, at one point. Yeah, she spirits. She says spirits, and she says scenes from the past, or, like, seeing the past. And I just thought that was really interesting, because typically, if you see a ghost, you're going to call it a ghost. Right. Right? And so she keeps seeing these things, and it's almost like she's not really sure if she's actually seeing a ghost, because she keeps almost going to... She's, like, transported to a different time. Right. So she really is seeing the past, but she's also experiencing it because she wakes up from one of these moments and she has a hickey on her neck from this makeout session that this person she's been watching, who is kind of an image of herself, mm-hmm. is with this guy. And then she ends up with a hickey in the morning that is lasting. So clearly something happened. And we're not even sure. It's like, did she go to the past? Is she a ghost in that, like, little bit of history? Like, Mm. what exactly are we seeing here? And then we don't realize either that the person she's following around, we don't know if they're alive or dead. We don't know who these characters are or if she's seeing them now in present day. And I think that's part of the mystery of it, as we find out throughout, is like, is she meeting some of these people? Is she putting together the pieces of the story from the 60s of this woman she's been following, the career of? And, but how, like, how does she know? How can you be sure? Everybody's so much older. Everybody looks different, you know? Yeah. And I think that's definitely the <clears throat> mystery aspect of it. Because I, I would, yeah, definitely qualify it as a mystery And I don't know if you've ever seen Midnight in Paris. I have not. It's a Woody Allen movie. It um, has Owen Wilson in it and um, Rachel McAdams. Mm -hmm. And so basically, um, Owen Wilson's character, like, idolizes 
Paris in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to visit Paris. So he's walking around the streets of Paris in, in modern day. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, at midnight, he ends up, a, a car drives by, and he needs a ride because he got lost. And then he ends up in the 20s in Paris. And he meets Hemingway and all these, like, F. Scott Fitzgerald and mm-hmm. all these historical figures. And so watching Last Night in Soho... Because there, there are moments, so it starts out with these visions just being in her sleeping. So she falls mm-hmm. asleep, she ends up in the past, and then she wakes up and she's back in her time. Mm-hmm. But then there starts to be this blurring of reality, and there's a scene where she walks through an alleyway and she ends up back mm-hmm. into these these moments from the past. Yeah. And it definitely made me think of Midnight in Paris for sure. Because, of course, you know, no one believed him and they thought he was crazy. Because he was like, I met, I just met Picasso. And they're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, like, are you okay? <laughs> but it's just, it's so interesting. And, you know, at the beginning of it, it's like she idolizes the past. She's mm-hmm. like, things must have been so glamorous in the 60s. Like, I wish I was... In London in the 60s, like, mm-hmm. living here. Like, that must have been amazing. And the first few moments she's living in the past, it is very glamorous. And she, she is idolizing it. And and then that, that glorification of the past quickly diminishes as bad mm-hmm. things start to happen. And I just... I think that's interesting because I think we do tend to glorify the past. Like, oh, those the good old days and, mm-hmm. oh, it must have been so great back then. And then it's like, oh, like, they didn't have antibiotics. Like, how, what did they do? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I mean, war and poverty. And, and violence against violence. women. <laughs> right. If you were LGBTQ. Yeah. <laughs> if you were. Yeah. I mean, there are just so many reasons why I think as as a person that is has n- not had to experience any of that you know whether it be discrimination or yeah lack of penicillin <laughs> it's like you know that sounds great but then she's a fashion designer and i think the first thing that i think of when people talk about an era like the 60s it's the style hmm. right so it's the style it's the music it's kind of those it's the they're the icons not really what was happening in the world at the time so her being a fashion designer and being obsessed with the 60s it's like well she was obsessed with the fashion of the 60s and that performance lifestyle i mean she wasn't a performer she's a fashion designer Mm -hmm. so she doesn't know anything about what that world would would have been like right and so yeah she jumps into it and then she finds you know the grit that really lies beneath it all. And it happens pretty quickly. The scene that where that happens, she's sitting alone, which I, I love too because she keeps, you know, kind of making this journey while she's asleep. So she's always in her pajamas. Oh, right, yeah. Which makes her very easy, easy to spot in a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but this woman that she keeps seeing finally gets the chance to be on stage. But she's a dancer for basically a striptease, like a gentleman's club. And this woman is very unhappy. She's kind of 
awestruck by the situation that she's found herself in or found this person who she's been idolizing in. And she begins, I mean, she, Ellie becomes pretty obsessive. Like, she goes and she, in real life, cuts her hair and dyes it to be the same style as this woman that she's seeing. And then she kind of adopts the fashion and she starts designing a dress around the dress that, you know, she first saw the woman in. And it's kind of this weird, like, she's taking on that right reality as her own. And I think part of when she starts to lose her shit is because she can't identify what's reality and what isn't anymore. Yeah. Because then those spirits or those image images start coming up in the middle of the day or while she's in class. Yeah. You know? And I think, you know, part of it is she is, I think she's trying to find her identity, like who she is, and then she gets obsessed with this person from the past and then takes on their identity in a a way or she's emulating them in real life Mm -hmm. and and then she gets trapped in it and so I think you know she is fighting to find herself Mm -hmm. yeah and this is a film that I it kind of takes one of those tur- turns where I'm like, I'm not sure this is going to have a happy ending. Like, you you said it yourself. There is a lot of red herrings that are mm-hmm. dropped throughout this. Because it is a mystery. So you're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Who these people were in the past. What happened to them. You know, is that the way that we're going to get rid of these spirits that are kind of, like, haunting Ellie at this point? But then there's all these twists and turns. And you're like, oh my gosh, I did not expect that to happen. The ending when we kind of put together the pieces of who those people were and what their endings looked like in the, in the way that Ellie has been seeing those characters from the sixties, it like totally blew my mind. I did not anticipate that happening at all. I knew something was weird and kind of fishy going on. There was some weird stuff going on for sure with those characters, but I didn't know exactly how they all fit in. Yeah. They're, there were moments where I did feel like, oh, yeah, like, this is a little predictable or, like, moments where I'm trying to make predictions on what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it does feel like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. And there's a lot of red herrings and there's a lot of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Lots of foreshadowing. Um, but it, it was unexpected, mm-hmm. for sure, like... There are lots of twists and turns, and it's not entirely predictable. Yeah. I, although I will say, yeah, the foreshadowing was really on the nose. And I'm sure that was on purpose, but in in those ways, it felt, like, m- mildly predictable. Like, we know it's a little bit of a thriller. She's seeing this ghost of her mom. Okay, so she's going to start seeing ghosts. Right. You know? And even the grandma kind of alludes to it, of like, oh, well, you're special, Mm-hmm. And, you know, the things that you feel and the things that you see, you know, London might be a little too too much for you to handle. Yeah, just and, overwhelming for you. Yeah, and it's very vague and ambiguous, but, yeah, you do get the sense that, like, oh, she's got some sort of sixth sense. Yeah. So to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. But we also don't really get much backstory at all. We kind of jump into it right as she's leaving home. So we're, like, learning about this character as she's going on through this huge life change. Um, And 
and she's quite funny. I mean, her her character's pretty quirky, I think. I really enjoy her and some of the stuff that she, like, her lines. I don't know. It's just, like, they write her character really well, like, in a way that you feel like you get to know her. But we're really not focusing on her and her life all that much. Right. Yeah. She's experiencing someone else's life almost the entire time. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of great moments, though, and I think that must have been such an interesting role to play. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how old the actress was, but I... She, she looked very young. Yeah, so, she looks quite young. Yeah, to have that role, and she she did such such a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, She's 22. She, yeah, so so young, mm-hmm. and um, I do like how they played her as kind of this, like, like she's spunky and defiant in a way, because I love, so there's constantly, like, people going, like, like, oh, are you frightened, or are you scared, or are you nervous? And, and clearly she is. Like, you can read her like a book. Uh-huh. And every time she's like, no, <laughs> I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. Like, like you don't scare me, or I'm not nervous. Like, yeah. And I, I kind of love that. <laughs> I did, she's too. Like, she's, like, shaking, and they're like, oh, are, are you scared right now? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she's literally got tears in her eyes. <laughs> she's just... Absolutely not. Yeah, so not at all. Yeah, so I liked how they played her as kind of the spunky, defiant character, and um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't think she played the victim. Um, no. You know, I think they definitely gave her agency in her role. I mean, yeah, she goes storming off with a pair of scissors, <laughs> like she's about to cut somebody up. You know, and she about does, which yeah. is your favorite part for sure. Oh, man. That was probably the hardest part to watch. <laughs> I had, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was so good, though. It, it is good. And and I do like how, so going back to kind of the, the foreshadowing, there is foreshadowing, but it's like little breadcrumbs. Like, they just yeah. give you little breadcrumbs to follow until the end, and then it's the big reveal, and... And I think that structurally the story was crafted so well. I mean, Edgar Wright is a great writer, director, and like the story is just so well crafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really impressed by how it all unfolded because it is, it's a unique way of telling that like kind of the, the time travel aspect mm-hmm. of it because that's not new. You know, we see we've seen that a lot in films, time travel. But they all do it a little bit differently. And this one wasn't we weren't we're still not clear exactly what was happening. Like yeah. was it time travel or was it something else? Are these, you know, visions of a past? How exactly does her as a physical being tie into this world that doesn't exist anymore? So, it's kind of it's I think that's where the psychological part comes into it a lot comes into play it's like okay how are we getting here (laughs) like what's happening and then once she's getting haunted I mean she is hardcore haunted towards the end so I think it definitely builds like in the last 30 minutes you have this huge build and you know which which we want to see happen and but it's not it's not a jump scare it's not your typical slasher, it's just sort of like this build of anxiety, right, of you see these things happening and we're not sure what's going on and it's very 
kind of abstract because we're not sure which world she's a part of anymore and we don't know who's seeing what. It's just like really, really intense. And there are bad guys in the real world and bad guys in this world that she's apparently a part of and living in in the past. So Yeah, and they just keep, they would just pile mm-hmm. on these, you know, I guess ambiguities, or she's questioning herself and her sanity, certainly, and um, they do bring up mental health quite a lot throughout yeah. the movie, because her mother struggled with mental health, and then there's a scene where she goes to the police, and, you know, clearly they do think she's crazy, and they do ask if she has a history of mental illness in her family, or, you know, a history of schizophrenia, and, and or even drugs, uh-huh. You know, and it definitely makes her question herself and, you know, the audience kind of question, like, oh, like, like, is she really experiencing this or is she just imagining it? Like, Right, because, again, we know that her mom killed herself, but we don't know why. And so it's like, what connection did they have that maybe is playing into this, too? They allude a lot to that relationship being kind of a hint at, what is going on with her potentially but we we really don't know yeah um so yeah i i really loved this i thought it was a great film um really well done beautiful to watch um that scene that you mentioned with the one shot was very cool and they did some really interesting um practical effects so when uh ellie is first in the uh 60s, I guess when she first gets there, she looks at herself in the mirror and she's this other this other woman. And eventually they kind of like separate roles a little more, but it's very clear that the first couple of times they're playing the same role. Yeah. You know, they're li- she's living in this woman's shoes. And uh, the woman is Sandy. Okay, this is like the ghost that she's experiencing. So when Ellie first sees Sandy through the mirror... That's all done practically. It says that to achieve that mirror effect of them looking at one another, the cloakroom attendant is played by twins. So they took (laughs) two twins, James and Oliver Phelps, um, who played Fred and George Weasley in Harry Potter. That's amazing. Um, and they are the, they're cloakroom attendants. So you, the guys that you see in both both mirrors when that's happening. Oh, that's amazing. So how cool. I'll have to go back and watch it because I didn't even Yeah, I didn't realize. notice that at all, but there's a lot of use of mirrors throughout this. It's like an ongoing mm-hmm. theme, and it's so difficult to film oh, around yeah. mirrors because obviously you get quite a bit of reflection in a uh-huh. mirror. Like, you would see the camera and the lighting and the, it, everything. Right. So And they're in these, like, pretty grandiose ballroom-style like, almost speakeasy kind of feeling places. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of big mirrors, too, that are just, like, lining an entire wall. Yeah. So very, very difficult to do and really interesting uh, how they did it. So something else that's pretty interesting is that Edgar Wright really wanted to um, shoot in the Soho district in London mm-hmm. instead of recreating it on a soundstage or, like, shooting somewhere else to make it look like Soho. And so apparently... They were able to shoot on location in Soho, and it just took a lot of planning because a lot of the local businesses there are open 24-7. Uh-huh. And so it was described 
as a Herculean endeavor, <laughs> requiring the close cooperation of his location manager uh, with the city of Westminster. And because, yeah, especially when we're seeing um, scenes from the 60s, they had to bring in period cars and clothing and kind of change up the storefront signs to look like, you know, we were back in the 60s. Right. So that's that's amazing to me. Yeah, that's huge without damaging the businesses that are already there, like their own personal signs and, you know, moving all of that stuff out and moving it back in for them. I can't even imagine how yeah. much time that would have taken. So for him to decide, you know what, we're going to go through all this effort so that we have, we can shoot on location. Like that's insane. That was beautiful. I mean, I, I think it was worth it. And also, you know, when you have a multi-million dollar budget, for a film. Yeah, you I'm know. not sure what the budget was for this. Um, but let's see. Yeah. Budget was $43 million. Well, there you go. So I guess they could they could shut down Soho with that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that was Last Night in Soho. Uh, Riley, do you, do you recommend people watch this movie? Absolutely. Make some time to do it. If you... You know what, even if you're not a huge fan of horror films, it's definitely more of a thriller. There aren't jump scares, and it's not super gory. There's, like, one one scene, I feel like, with a knife that gets a little intense. Yeah. What, I mean, I don't know. You might feel differently, Taylor, but I don't think it's one of those. It's not, like, The Grudge or something where it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. No, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, a, you know, a nightmare fuel of any sort um and i don't do well with with gore and like blood and stuff and 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 i was able to handle it so um yeah proud of you highly recommend this movie um like i said it was a little bit out of my comfort zone but i'm glad i watched it Mm -hmm. it was just phenomenal it was great yeah, so we hope that this gives you yet another film to put on your watch list. Um, and as always, if you have movie suggestions or genre theme suggestions, anything, go ahead and shoot us a message. Um, we are posting all of our content on Instagram, so make sure you follow us there at Happy Hour Film Club. Um, also, if you haven't already, like and subscribe to the podcast um, wherever you listen to that and that will make us more relevant on uh, all of your streaming devices but also for you when we have a new episode that comes up it'll be suggested for you so you don't have to go digging around yeah so as always thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time bye